Hello, and welcome to Songs for the Struggling Artist, the blog cast. I'm Emily, and I'm blogcasting at you, um, with you, for you. I don't know the appropriate, I think I'll use all the, the prepositions. I'm blogcasting, blogcasting of you. No, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> anyway, hi. Thanks for, for being here. For Thanks for listening. Um, I just wrapped up my other podcast. Um, that one has a, had a kind of definitive end um, since it's a book, and I was reading it a chapter at a time, and I got to the end. 32 chapters, all read. So if you're, if you're like a completist and you just want to listen to a whole thing, it's now up and out, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. So um, that is called Reading the Library Book. It is on everywhere but iTunes. Although it is on iTunes, or it was on iTunes, if you're already subscribed on iTunes, you should have no problem. Um, but I have had some issues over there. So, But otherwise, you can find it. Um, and I would love for you to check it out. That's a thing. Uh, so today is episode 119. And um, we are back on the Fury Train, ladies and gentlemen. Back on the Fury Train. <laughs> uh, I finished the Soraya Shamali book, which was great, although it did have the effect of like making me matter sometimes, where I'd be like, what? That's not a statistic I even knew about. And, you know, I'm a pretty reasonably informed uh, feminist lady. I-, I know about some of those things, but there were a few that I just was like, I didn't even know that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so if you are interested, her book is really, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's great. It's just like a super easy read in terms of, you know, the language is, is put together very, very nicely or ragefully. Um, and you know, it's important, it's important shit is what that is. Um, so that book is called Rage Becomes Her and I recommend it to you. I'm now back into Rebecca Traster's book, Good and Mad. And, I, you know, I feel like I shared with you that I was having trouble deciding between the two. And I started with Soraya Shamali's book because um, it felt slightly more personal. And um, I, I sort of, I was going through the, like, feminist idea of, well, you know, the personal is political, so if we start with the personal and just sort of then build from the personal to the to the bigger picture, that would feel like the right way to do it. Um, also, I noticed that uh, Rage Becomes Her, Soraya Shamali's book, um, had a chapter about uh, illness and rage and the connection between um, anger becoming a kind of uh, sickness because if you don't get it out of your body, it will go after you. And given that my migraines are very likely patriarchy related, (laughs) patriarchal migraines, I I felt that was going to be an important chapter for me, and it was. I want more studies, however, on this topic. Anyway, uh, this this blog is called One Woman's Dystopia is Another Man's Utopia, I Guess. The day that frat boy McRapeface was confirmed to the Supreme Court, 
When my dining companion asked me what I wanted to eat, I said, Senator Grassley's heart. Not that I'm 100% sure Grassley has one, but assuming there's at least a little dried up something there, I would like to take a big bite of it and then spit it out on the Senate floor. I'm a little bit upset, I guess you could say. Earlier in the day, I watched the police mobilize and prepare to arrest the women who were protesting on the steps of the Capitol on the Women's March livestream. I watched the police line up. I watched them strategize. The troops were mostly men in uniform with their zip-tie cuffs. The protesters were mostly women, fully prepared to put their bodies between a rapist and the Supreme Court seat. It was a stark illustration of who has authority and who does not. All day and all evening, I tried not to sink into despair about the continuing kleptocracy in our country. It feels better to rage than to despair, but despair is close to the surface. Living with corruption in every corner of the federal government is taking a bigger toll than I imagined. Anyway, it was already hard. Then that night... At 1 a.m., these guys somewhere outside who had been indiscriminately yelling for a while started chanting some racist stuff. They chanted, <sighs> I don't want to say this, <laughs> so I'm just going to say what I wrote, which is, F you, Obama, F you, Obama, F you, N-words. I was shocked. And terrified. I mean, I was safe in my apartment, of course. They were out there and I was inside and they weren't coming for me. But groups of men engaged in hate like that are terrifying for a lot of us, even from a distance. I felt like I'd stumbled into some horrific dystopian novel that I absolutely did not choose. I mean, I moved to New York City in 1999 and I have never heard anything like that anywhere before. I have heard people shout all kinds of hateful things at each other, but never like that. And it felt like the events of the day had unleashed this horrific behavior that had somehow lain dormant even these last couple of years. It was the final release valve, I guess. I went from fierce dragon to terrified maiden in a minute. Not because I thought this pack of douchebags would come for me, but because so many of them have just been empowered with no obvious check on their behavior. I later learned that that same weekend, hateful anti-immigrant posters had gone up all over Sunnyside, Queens. Were the perpetrators celebrating their racist postering back in my neighborhood? Was that their victory party? Or was that an entirely different group of racist douchebags? Then, too, similar propaganda popped up at liberal arts colleges where, like in Queens, they are decidedly unwelcome. It all feels of a piece. The final release valve of douchebaggery has been let go. They can take their misdeeds all the way to the Supreme Court, apparently. Roving packs of douchebags have always run roughshod over America, but any sense of consequence on their behavior has just been removed. That is why I cried my face off when I heard them across the courtyard. But if they have been released, they have also been revealed. We know where those racists live. 
The GOP can no longer pretend to care about women. They can no longer get away with their benevolent, sexist, protectionist bullshit. They have revealed their cards, and they have hands full of bluffs. It is clear that the America they dream of is one where we let the white men do all the shouting and governing, where they can rape and rob with impunity, where consequences only exist for the rest of us. They remain the kings. The rest of us are only here to serve. As I watched this vision of the future dystopia emerge, I wondered if this is really what they want. Is this the Republican dream? Maybe it is. Maybe white supremacists shouting in the middle of the night is utopia for them. Maybe a depleted environment full of polluted rivers and flattened mountaintops is their fantasy. Maybe all the dystopian stories we read, they see as utopias. The Hunger Games? A story of a pain-in-the-ass girl who disrupts a perfectly balanced authoritarian state. The Handmaid's Tale? A manual for how to create and maintain a religious autocracy, disrupted by a woman who just won't obey. Their dream of America is my nightmare. In their dream, women lose all bodily autonomy, immigrants lose their children, and only old rich white men have power and resources. Prior to the last couple of years, I would have thought that the Holocaust was a universally dystopian time, but even that horrific hellscape was and is utopian for some. And very probably, my utopian dream for America would be a nightmare to them. In mine... Women finally gain equality and have total ownership of their own bodies. Women are believed and respected. There is wage equality, racial equality, economic justice. In my America, people come together from all over the world and are welcomed. Trans people and people with disabilities are especially honored and cherished. We delight in diversity and put our resources in things like the arts and education In my utopian America, we care for each other. We look out for the most vulnerable. We prioritize caring for the natural world. I know it won't be easy to get there, especially now. But it does feel important to hold on to a kinder version of the world I want to live in. Kavanaugh's confirmation may have signaled to everyone, white supremacists and douchebags included, that we're headed into that dystopian future. But maybe just, just maybe we can pull it back. To hold tight to a sense of possibility, even as the racists and sexists emerge from under their rocks with celebratory screaming. The thing of it is, a week later, I have figured out what I ought to have done. Instead of trembling and not sleeping for hours, I could have sung into the night. I had gotten all caught up in trying to come up with a scary sound, a dragon roar, a wolf growl. But my voice can be just as loud as the douchebags, particularly when I'm singing. I'm sure my neighbors hear me singing all the time, though I try to pretend that they don't. And I know that in the same way that I know that there's an opera singer in an apartment nearby. I know she can be louder than those racist douchebags. What I'm trying to work out now is what exactly to sing in these dystopian situations. 
It feels key to sing something. If not for myself, then for all the people in my neighborhood who are more vulnerable to attack. My first thought was to make up a song, something to call to my fellow women outside, something they could join me in singing. I found myself inventing a little ditty called, Ladies, Don't Fuck a Racist. However, I realized as I walked past my neighbor's door that there were quite a few young children in the buildings near us, and maybe this wouldn't be the best way to support them, even if it might feel vaguely cathartic. But what is the answer? How to drown out the voices of racist douchebags with the voices of women and their allies? How can we make the racists know we hear them and do not approve and also empower our targeted neighbors? What song invites joining in to defeat the forces of hate? I feel like I want a plan in place in case we really are in a dystopia and this keeps happening. I want a song ready to go so I can skip the maiden trembling and the visions of dystopia and go straight to raising my voice. So this post has uh, generated quite a bit of um, questions about what song would be good for this job. And I have been trying out any numbers of different ones and uh, nothing has really been great <laughs> because like it, I need it to do so many things at once. And I feel like there probably is a song, but I, I, I don't know what it is. So songs that I considered, uh, one was um, Blondie's uh, One Way or Another. So I felt like it had a nice menacing quality for racists. You know, it's like, one way or another, I'm going to find you. I'm going to get you, get you, get you, get you. One way or another, I'm going to find you. I'm going to get you, I'll get you. But the thing of it is, like, it's fun, but in, it's, like, not really a joining in song. Uh, I feel like it wouldn't like get, cause here's my fantasy, right? Like I start to sing some song and then like the whole neighborhood is like, yeah, we join you. And also Blondie may be a little too retro for everybody. Like unless they were all also Gen Xers, I'm not, I'm not sure (laughs) how much Blondie will do it, but I I like it in theory, but, uh, but it's not great for singability and it's not great for, uh, like recognition, um, some other thoughts were uh, We Shall Overcome. It's a standard for protests and uh, definitely a joining along, joining in song. Um, you know, but could we have more than one protest song in the world? Like it's, it's I, I would definitely sing it in a pinch for sure. Um, but I, I also feel like I want something slightly more aggressive. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so not not that one. Um, I just now, as I was thinking about this, I was like, ooh, you know what would be good is like that song from Sesame Street. Uh, Who are the people in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood? Oh, who are the people in your neighborhood? They're the people that you meet each day. And then like it could be like a verse that was like, oh, a racist is a person in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood. But I don't want to meet a racist every day. And then I'd have to make up a whole verse about 
there's like a whole verse where the person explains what they are. Um, and a racist just doesn't deserve to have a whole verse. But it might be effective in, in minimizing their bonkersness. Um, but again, I, I feel this may be generational because uh, uh, it's Gen X. I think it's Gen X. I don't think kids to I don't think these kids today are singing who are the people in your neighborhood. That's what I think. So, so I don't think it's a good choice. Although I, I did just try and learn it. <laughs> and then I was like, nah. Um, so not that song. And uh, I also considered for the, for the blogcast here, I thought, oh, the obvious choice is um, One Man's Ceiling is Another Man's Floor by Paul Simon. But that's not a good song to sing out the window. Um, it's hard and it's actually hard. It changes key many times, so it's not, it's not a good one. I mean, it's a good song. Don't get me wrong. I, I love Paul Simon, and I love One Man's Ceiling is Another Man's Floor. If you don't know that song, enjoy it. It's a good one. Um, but it's not right for the current moment. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I feel, I feel the answer is somewhere like blowing in the wind or something, but I don't think so. Um, yeah, what's a song like everybody knows? And then I was like, oh, well, like a Beyonce song? Like a, but Formation is not really singable, uh, and I would feel pretty silly as a little white lady singing Formation. Single Ladies is sending the entirely wrong message. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. I need ideas. Um, I might just, you know... F- cycle madly through them all as we go. Luckily, uh, last Saturday, there was no repeat performance of the racists in the neighborhood. There were no more racists in the neighborhood. No more racists in the neighborhood. (laughs) In the neighborhood. It was very quiet on Saturday. So so maybe I won't have to um, sing at the racists. Maybe they're gone. Maybe they were just here temporarily. They were like here in an Airbnb they were enjoying racist Airbnb chanting their racist shit after putting up their dumbass posters. I don't know. Maybe that's what happened. That's what I'm going to hope has happened. And their dumb invasion of New York City is over. And I won't have to sing songs at racists. But it does feel important to be prepared. What should we sing to the racists, at the racists, to get everybody singing along against racists? That's the question. I don't know the answer still. I still don't know the answer. Um, maybe you have the answer. A lot of people were sending me their, like, angry uh, playlists on Spotify, which is great. I mean, I already have several of those. Um, so it's not actually what I need, um, although I'm very happy to have angry playlists. Angry feminist playlists are always welcome. Um, but uh, it, it doesn't actually solve, solve, the, uh, solve the issue. And yeah, so ideas are, are, I would love to hear. Meanwhile, a song needs to go here. And that song is going to be a song that um, a friend of mine and listener to the podcast uh, has specially requested. And this she requested it months ago, I do believe at this point. And its time has finally come. And it might not be terrible to sing to racists. It's a little hard to 
um, like it switches. It's similar to the Paul Simon song in that it kind of jumps around key-wise. But, you know, if, you, if you're singing it without a guitar, you might just be able to just, you know, mess around and find it as you like. Um, I don't think it has to be in this particular arrangement of keys. Um, and I like it because it's like a musical theater song. And as a former musical theater kid, I feel it would be very nice to defeat racists with cheesy musical theater. That would be that would be very, I mean, because you know racists are also homophobes. And um, I feel uh, just a certain, like, if we could just do it with glitter and um, just fabulousness. I mean, this isn't one of the most fabulous songs, but yeah, but I don't know. I, I, I like it in theory uh, for this job as well. So, but this is, um, do you hear the people sing as requested? Enjoy. Join in the fight that will give you the right to be free. Do you hear the people sing, singing a song of angry men? It is the music of a people who will not be slaves again. When the beating of your heart echoes the beating of the drums, there is a life about to start when tomorrow So that our banner may advance Some will fall and some will live Will you stand up and take your chance? The blood of the martyrs will water the meadows of France Do you hear the people sing? Singing the song of angry men It is the music of a people who will not be slaves again when the beating of your heart echoes the beating of the drums there is a life about to start when tomorrow It is the music of a people who will not be slaves again when the beating of your heart echoes the beating of the drums. There is a life about to start when tomorrow comes. There is a life about to start when tomorrow comes. 